You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Campus Beat. In this segment, we're talking about a new study called An Analysis of Contemporary Oncology Randomized Clinical Trials from Low, Middle Income versus High Income Countries, published in the latest edition of JAMA Oncology. The study involving scientists at Queen's University has found that current cancer research efforts do not match the global burden of deaths from the disease. This study was led by Dr. Christopher Booth, Professor of Oncology and Public Health Sciences and Canada Research Chair in Population Cancer Care, alongside an international research team, including Drs. Bishal Gyawali and Nazik Hamad from Queen's University. And today, I'm in the virtual studio with Dr. Bishal Gyawali, Assistant Professor, Department of Public Health Sciences and Clinical Fellow in the Department of Oncology to talk about this new study. Welcome, Bishal. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. It's so great to have you in the studio, in the virtual studio on the snowy day. <laughs> <laughs> neither, neither of us had to step outside to have yeah, this conversation. There are some folks too having everything virtual. <laughs> All right. So I'm really excited to learn more about this uh, innovative new study. So tell us about the study, Bashal, starting with how and why it got underway. Uh, thank you for this uh, opportunity. This was a study that uh, was conceptualized and led and made a reality by Professor Booth, uh, uh, Chris Booth, who is a professor in the Department of Oncology here. Um, and, uh, you know, in, if we talk about global oncology or the global cancer burden, and we think about how we are treating cancer globally, we make all those treatment decisions based on results from randomized controlled trials. Mm-hmm. So randomized trials give, give, give us answers as to which treatment is better in which context and what uh, we should be doing for our patients. But previous studies have shown that almost all of that evidence base comes from trials that are run in high income countries like US, Canada, Europe, and so on, and Japan. But the reality is the highest burden of cancer in the world is in low and middle income countries. Uh And these trials that we are using to make treatment decisions, they are run exclusively in high income countries. So basically two thirds of the cancer population of the world is getting treatment based on evidence that is not generated from from people like them. So that has always been an issue in in, in global oncology. One One is the lack of clinical trials representative of the global cancer population. Mm-hmm. And the other is uh, about, you know, uh, the various uh, obstacles that physicians or researchers in low and middle income countries need to face in order to actually run these trials. Uh, because there is less salary, there is less research support. Physicians are tremendously busy with huge patient load. They don't have other resources to help them run trials and so on. And there is one more part, which is even if by overcoming all these barriers, physicians or researchers, if they happen to do a trial, then there is some bias in the journal industry 
when they look at trials from high income countries versus trial from low and middle income countries and the journals the big journals uh, in the field they they tend not to publish the trials that are coming from low and middle income countries although they are practice changing mm-hmm. so we tried uh, in this paper uh, this paper tries to address all of that uh, problem this tri- this paper tries to quantify the magnitude of that problem we have always had that feeling we have we have always known that uh, in our gut but how do we quantify it and how do we say that okay this is the burden of the problem and we should be doing something about it uh, so that is where this paper the idea of, for doing this paper comes uh, comes from so we know from you uh, that the randomized control trials disproportionately studied uh, breast cancer while other cancers, including cervical, gastroesophageal, and pancreatic cancers are underrepresented, even though they account for a substantial proportion of global cancer deaths. Meanwhile, as I understand, the study also indicates randomized control trials from low middle income countries, as you said, are likely to be also funded by uh, the pharmaceutical industry, but are more likely to identify new treatments that offer substantial benefits to patients. That's right. Correct? Uh, no, not, not entirely. Uh, okay. The first part is correct, that uh, the, the number of trials that, are, that we see in oncology does not match the global burden of the disease. Right. So, for example, as you correctly mentioned, breast cancer, uh, to quote the exact number, breast cancer accounts for 7% of global cancer deaths, but breast cancer represented 17% of uh, the trials in our cohort. So, Which is problematic on a purely scientific level. You're dealing with different parts of the yeah. body with different functions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. But uh, cervical cancer cervical cancer is responsible for 3% of total cancer deaths globally, but represents only 1% of uh, the total uh, trial proportion. So why this happens is because cervical cancer, as we know, is a disease of poverty in a sense. So this cancer is more frequent in low and middle income countries, but the clinical trials that the the clinical trials are run more in high income countries. In fact, uh, what we found was 92% of the randomized trials were run in high income countries and only 8% were run in low and middle income countries. So necessarily the trials that are run in high income countries, they don't prioritize disease that are more common in low and middle income countries. And that's the reason for the, for the disconnect. And I guess the, the other reason for disconnect um, is also about, uh, you know, which cancer gets priority because there is some other data that shows that even within high income countries, uh, the proportion of trials, they do not necessarily match the, the, the proportion of the burden of the disease. So I guess there is the role of advocacy, which, which cancer gets more priority uh, in terms of funding and in terms of availability of drugs uh, and so on. Uh, but going to the second point that uh, you raised, we found that trials in high-income countries were more likely to be funded by the industry. Yeah. And trials in high-income countries uh, we're trying to chase marginal treatment gains. So trials that are run in high-income countries were A, more likely to be funded by the industry. B, they were larger trials involving many patients. And C, uh, 
the the effect size we call effect size that's how much clinical benefit the drug showed ultimately in the trial the effect size was smaller compared to trials in low and middle income countries so i think that that shows some important areas of concern uh, that we also should think about and try to rectify because what this shows is that trials in high income countries like canada and us um, are uh, more and more industry focused so actually 73% of the trials in high income countries were run by the industry so that means in can- cancer treatment doesn't mean drugs alone there are surgical interventions there are radiotherapy there is palliative care there are so treating a patient with cancer does not mean just recommending drugs so what this means is in high income countries those other non drug interventions are not being given priority because that's not in the interest of the industry and b because we also mentioned that these trials are larger and have a smaller effect size what that means is most of these newer trials of newer drugs are actually trying to chase very small margin of benefit so mm-hmm. probably improvement in survival of patients by one month or two months so these are not big gains in clinical benefit for the patients these are small gains that uh, we see as statistically significant benefit because there are huge number of patients so if there are huge number of patients in a trial any difference can look statistically significant but it may not be very clinically meaningful um, so you know like let's say the drug improved survival by a couple of weeks that can look significant in terms of statistics but is it actually meaningful for the patient to have improved survival by just a couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, so uh, on the other hand what we found was the studies that were run in low income countries were less likely to be funded by the industry so that means these are less likely to be drug trials but probably more likely to be surgery trials or radiotherapy trials um, or even if they are drug trials they are probably initiated by the investigator rather than by the industry and the other thing also that we see is that these trials are smaller and have higher effect size so that means uh, these trials are designed to capture a meaningful margin of clinical benefit and to capture that uh, we need a smaller number of patients than what we need to capture a smaller margin of benefit so these are some unique differences between the trials that were run in high income countries versus that were run in low and middle income countries. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so with that in mind, and thank you so much for clarifying, and, and I also understood too that um, that uh, some of the clinical trials from these countries were also published in lower impact journals. All of this is, yeah, quite a lot to digest for non-specialists. Can you break it down in really simple terms for us, perhaps, Vishal? Um, what are the implications of these findings, especially where we see these specific disparities in in both representation and and recognition between high and low income countries and their and their trials and and research, and even between the types of cancers themselves? What are the implications here in, in layperson's terms? Thank you, Dinah. This is a very important question. Yes, one of our important findings was that the trials that came from low and middle income countries were more likely to be published in a journal with lower impact factor than the trials that came from high income countries. Impact mm-hmm. factor is a very crude metric that 
signifies the importance of a journal. It's not a perfect metric, but this is the best metric that we have so far. So impact factor, higher impact factor signifies that the journal is more cited by other uh, journal articles. So that journal is supposed to be of higher prestige. So mm-hmm. in the field of medicine and oncology, for example, we would consider New England Journal of Medicine, the Lancet, JAMA as high impact journals or, or Journal of Clinical Oncology. These are high impact journals. So these journals become high impact journals because they publish articles that change clinical practice that are transformative. Mm-hmm. So what we found was the clinical trials from high income countries, even though, as we mentioned, they were more likely to be funded by the industry. They were taking smaller margin of clinical benefit. They were overpowered, huge number of uh, patients to show a small clinical benefit. Despite all of that, what we found was high income country trials, they were published in these high impact factor journals, these transformative journals. So that means everybody would read about those trials and probably they would change their practice based on those trial results. On the other hand, the low and middle income country trials, they were published in a lower impact journal. That means the high impact factor journals, they have been rejecting these trials that came from low and middle income countries for publication. so that, that signifies an inherent bias. Now, why does that happen? We don't know for sure, but we can, we can guess that probably the journal is looking at those trials coming from low and middle income countries and thinking that, okay, this is not a priority. This is a disease of low income country only, or maybe they did not trust the results of the trial, or maybe they had this inherent bias thinking that, oh, the results from this low, low and middle income country trial uh, probably this is not practice changing or probably we can't act upon that uh, result. So there might be s- many factors, many implicit bias that would prevent a reputed high impact journal from, from publishing uh, articles from low income countries. This has always been our experience of people who have been working in global health and global oncology that the journals have that inherent bias against research articles coming from low income countries. But Mm-hmm. Uh, with this paper, we actually can quantify it and we actually show it, we prove it that this is indeed the case. Now, one explanation sometimes can be that, you know, positive trials change practice, negative trials do not. So positive trials are usually published in a higher impact journal and negative trial that shows that, okay, uh, it did not make any difference. So that does not change practice. So those, those papers are usually published in a lower impact journal. That is a legitimate argument. So in this study, in fact, we we control for that. So we when we looked at only positive trials, even among only positive trials, still the positive trials that that came from low income countries were published at a lower tier journal, and the trial the positive trials that came from high income countries were were published at a very high impact journal. So irrespective of the results of the trial, there is a bias. Uh, with regards to what the top journals want to publish. Okay. So I guess I'm the kind of person who uh, deals in qualitative more than quantitative. I I heard you talk about the quantitative quite a lot through our discussion already. So in terms of the qualitative, uh, Bashal, I wonder if you have any, uh, if you can enlighten us about any recommendations that the team has regarding research and clinical trials moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, 
we have uh, a number of recommendations that we can make from our data. Mm-hmm. There are recommendations from for high income countries and there are recommendations for low and middle income countries and there are recommendations for what we can do together. So in terms of high income countries, I think uh, this paper shows clearly that uh, our cancer clinical trial is heavily reliant on the industry. And I think that's not healthy. Industry has played a big role in bringing new molecules, new, new cancer drugs to the market, which is undeniable, but we cannot ignore the role of publicly funded academia sponsored clinical trials, because if we rely completely on the industry, then the industry will do clinical trials that ask questions that are of financial interest to the industry only. They do not necessarily ask questions that are of, that are of clinical interest to the patients and the physicians. So in order to ask those questions and in order to test non-drug interventions, we need public funding, we need academia sponsorship. So uh, one message for high-income countries is we should not rely completely on the industry to run our cancer trials. We need to be able to do that using publicly funded money as well, because only then we can answer the questions that actually matter to patients. The questions that may not be of financial interest, commercial interest, but that are of clinical importance. The other thing that we have seen is that for high-income countries, most of these trials are chasing very small gains in survival or very small improvement in uh, surrogate endpoints uh, that may not be very clinically useful for the patient. Uh, And uh, uh, so that means whenever we are doing a clinical trial or whenever we are designing a clinical trial, we should be, uh, we should focus more on the magnitude of benefit or what, what magnitude of benefit would be clinically meaningful and what we should aspire to and design our clinical trial in such a way that, that we, can, we can prove that. Uh, in case of low and middle income countries, uh, and obviously there is a big uh, message here for the journals as well, we have seen that the journal has had um, uh, publication bias against trials that are coming from low and middle income countries. When, in fact, we have seen that the trials that have come from low and middle income countries are more clinically relevant, are easily applicable because they are like, you know, there is a big drug trial um, from high income country that shows that, okay, using this new cancer drug will improve survival by four weeks, but it cost $15,000 a month. Now, you know, that will be applicable only to 10 to 15% of the world cancer population. Most of the 80% of the cancer population that is living in low income countries will never have access to that drug, drug or that will never even be a priority. Why? Like they don't have the resources to spend $15,000 a month for four weeks improvement in survival. But the trials that are run in low income countries are necessarily applicable globally because these are the uh, interventions that we have tested in a resource limited setting. Uh, And these are also the interventions that may not necessarily include drug. So uh, the trials in LMICs, they have huge global relevance. So the journals should give more and more importance to publishing these type of trials uh, because that will be applicable throughout the world. And more importantly, I think uh, we need to think in terms of partnerships. So there can be global south global south partnership like low and middle income countries working together to answer uh, questions of clinical importance and uh, running trials together but there can also be high income country and low and middle income country partnership 
uh, we talk about these concepts of you know co-innovation or reverse innovation where there are so many areas in cancer care where high-income countries can contribute a lot to low-income countries and low-income countries on the other hand can contribute a lot to high-income countries and this is a bilateral exchange of knowledge expertise and it's a mutual learning exercise um, in, a, in a previous paper in nature cancer uh, we have highlighted how the two high-income countries and low-income countries can work together uh, in in cancer care uh, for example there is this concept called drug repurposing so using already available cheaper drugs for cancer care um, and these are the examples that can be globally applied if we can run a proper trial so high income countries can contribute with their expertise on running trials or resources and low income countries um, can benefit from that expertise but run that trial in their own country and that will also help them develop the research uh, enterprise that is needed to run trials not only for that trial but for future trials as well but will uh, but there will also be a lot of uh, learning bilaterally uh, so i think we need to think in terms of how high income countries and low income countries can work together to answer questions of mutual interest there are there are many for example we talk about cervical cancer it might be even difficult to run a cervical cancer trial in a high income country because um, we have fewer and fewer patients every year due to SPV vaccination and cervical cancer screening. But cervical cancer is still a big burden in low and middle income countries. So if you wanted to run a proper trial, uh, you can work together and we can run a proper trial in a low and middle income country. And that result will be immediate, immediately applicable for uh, the patients that we have in high income countries. Uh, same is the case with gallbladder cancer. This is considered to be a relatively rare tumor in high income countries, but it's pretty common in, in countries like India. Um, so uh, there are a lot of opportunities. I think this paper suggests, um, highlights those opportunities. And uh, I guess the take home message would be that uh, we should not have that bias against trials coming from low income countries. We should be open towards those results and the journal should be publishing more and more of those trials. Uh, and high income countries and low income countries should be working together to answer questions of global importance mm -hmm. and high income countries should rethink their, their trial portfolio in terms of uh, industry funding and chasing marginal gains. Okay, I see, I see uh, essentially calling for a major cultural shift, if you will, at an international scale uh, in terms of where research ought to be conducted at the clinical trial level. But with attendant to that, uh, Vishal, I wonder then what kind of shift can we really realistically expect from the pharmaceutical industry, which is funding a lot of these trials? Are, will there be yeah, any movement I, there? Yeah, you can't expect much movement there because it's, it's expected that uh, a for-profit organization will work towards its own financial interest. That's, mm -hmm. that's not unexpected. So I guess that's, that's where the public, uh, the role of the public funding comes into place. So we need to have more publicly funded money to run proper clinical trials that are really relevant and important. And we need to have more funding to do these uh, bilateral exercises where we can sit together with uh, uh, colleagues from low and income countries and, and think about running a proper trial that's relevant in both the context and can be, uh, and, and these are the trials that 
are possible to be run with, uh, with publicly funded money because we have had several examples in the past. Most of the, if you look at the surgery trials or the radiotherapy trials, most of these have been done by, by public money without any help from the industry. It's only the cancer drug trials uh, where we have become so much reliant on the industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for that. Appreciate it. So I guess I, one thing we haven't asked yet is where do we find this study? We, we <laughs> mentioned the JAMA Oncology Journal. Uh, yeah. Where do we access this? Yeah, actually, I wanted to highlight one point that JAMA Oncology is a very prestigious journal in our field. So, you know, we were wondering when we submitted this paper, if if this paper itself was not accepted in a high impact factor journal, it would it would be so ironic, right? Yeah. We have written that uh, global oncology trials are not published in the high impact journals. And that paper itself, if it was not published in the high impact journal, uh, uh, it would have been uh, painful. But uh, we are, we're glad that uh, JAMA Oncology, our high impact factor journal, published a paper that says that high impact factor journals do not publish this type of work. Uh, so that was that was very good of them. And we really thank JAMA Oncology for, for publishing this paper. And they have, in fact, uh, um, an editorial that uh, they published that accompanies our, our study and uh, we would highly encourage everyone to read both our paper and the editorial that accompanies our paper. Um, so it uh, has been published online on January 28th. Uh, so if you log into, if you go to the JAMA Oncology website, um, then this, you'll find this paper uh, under published articles on January 28th. Wow, that was so great. Thank you so much for that information. So Michelle, do you have anything else to add before we close today? Uh, nothing much except for, you know, this was a teamwork and uh, I would like to thank all the co-authors uh, for their huge uh, help, support and going through this research and the publication process, especially the first author, Connor Wells, who is uh, an internal medicine resident here at Queens. The second author, Subham Sarma, uh, who is a medical student in his last year here at Queens. They, they have done the bulk of the work uh, along with uh, Joey Del Pazio, who is an oncologist. Uh, who graduated from Queens, uh, and uh, our statistician, Wilma Hopman. And this was actually a global work with a global network of colleagues like Deborah Mukherjee, uh, and as you mentioned earlier, Naji Kamath from our own department, and the CS Promise from India, and Ajay Agrawal and Richard Sullivan from London, uh, and obviously led by Dr. Booth here. So, wow. So a real yeah. international effort. That must have been quite the collaboration of emails and Zoom calls. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can imagine. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, folks. We have been talking with Dr. Bishal Giwali, uh, Assistant Professor, Department of Public Health Sciences and Clinical Fellow in the Department of Oncology, all about this brand new article, An Analysis of Contemporary Oncology Randomized Clinical Trials from Low, Middle Income versus High Income Countries published on January 28th in the virtual edition of JAMA Oncology. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure.
Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Thank you.